Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Of the four Gospels we have, two do not even tell us about the birth of Jesus. Mark seems to be in a hurry to tell us about the preaching of Jesus and the miracles he performed. John begins with his great theology of Jesus becoming flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Matthew gives us a long list of the genealogy of Jesus. He tells us about Mary being found with child and Joseph planning to divorce her quietly because he suspects her of adultery. Matthew just barely mentioned the birth of Jesus. Not so Luke. Clearly, he was in no hurry to get to the birth of Jesus. We learned a lot about the circumstances leading to the birth. He said he spent time gathering facts about the birth and ministry of Jesus so that his benefactor, Theophilus, and indeed the whole world might know and believe. He slowly gets into the story. And what a story he has left with us. It seems to me that you cannot read this account and not be affected by it. And we are grateful to God the Holy Spirit for using Luke that way. He begins with a priest who is probably ready for retirement from his profession as a priest and his equally old wife, Elizabeth. They had no children, and at this time they had zero expectation of having any. They had given up. It was past time. But unbeknownst to them, God was about to burst into their world with the gift of their own biological baby. God sent the angel Gabriel to announce the news to Zechariah when he had been selected to officiate at the temple services. It was a privilege. Not every priest got to do that. The angel Gabriel tries to involve Zechariah in what God was about to do. But Zechariah must have thought it was some cruel joke. He did not believe what Gabriel told him. As a result, Gabriel shut Zechariah's mouth and he became mute. He would not be able to speak again until that child was born. Luke then shifts the focus to Elizabeth, now a newly pregnant old woman. For all her life, she had lived in a culture which at that time looked on wives who could not have children as a disgrace. As a married woman, she would be regarded as not having the blessing of the Lord. Not anymore. God had fulfilled the promise he sent Gabriel to make to Zechariah in the temple, and now Elizabeth was pregnant, but she keeps it to herself for five months. Luke doesn't tell us why, but I suspect she didn't want the neighbors gossiping about her. Luke suddenly shifts again, this time to another woman, a very young woman who lives many days' journey away in Nazareth. Still, Luke, with his well-sourced account, tells us even less about the young woman. He tells us nothing about her parents or her siblings, if she had any. He only tells us her name. Her name was Mary. She was a virgin, engaged to be married to Joseph, who was from the house of David, the most famous king of Israel. 
Mary too gets an unexpected visit by the same angel Gabriel, but this visit turns out quite differently than the visit with Zechariah. While Zechariah was doubtful about the promise of a child, Mary receives the angel's message in faith. She responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Gabriel then tips her off to the pregnancy of her relative, Elizabeth. Maybe for that reason or for a different reason, she hurries off to go visit Elizabeth. In spite of the huge difference in their ages, you get the impression that those two were really close. Maybe Mary, Mary hurried over to see Elizabeth because Gabriel had told her about Elizabeth's pregnancy. Two women receiving the gift of pregnancy because of God's promise. They had that in common. One pregnant through her husband, the other pregnant because of the Holy Spirit who would overcome her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her. Two women whose children would be full of the Holy Spirit, the older one by a few months who would introduce the younger one as the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world, they get together. No one could have predicted that. They would have a lot to chat about, no doubt. Mary gets to Elizabeth's house and greets her. Instead of greeting her back or perhaps hugging her, she exclaims in a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. God was mightily at work through the Holy Spirit to accomplish the deliverance from sin for the world at the right time. Now, how did Elizabeth know that Mary was pregnant? Had Mary sent word ahead of her visit? Luke doesn't say. It doesn't appear to be the case because Mary doesn't say anything to anybody. And in fact, she left only a short while after Gabriel had spoken to her. Did I say the Holy Spirit was mightily at work at this time for these families? Although it may be hard for us to imagine, it is likely that the Holy Spirit had revealed things to Elizabeth. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Mary was truly blessed. She was blessed not because she was a sinless woman, she was blessed because she believed the message of the angel Gabriel. She was blessed most of all because God used her to be the mother of God. Yes, the mother of God. She deserves our honor. Often, in our attempt not to treat her as God, we don't honor her at all. We probably honor the apostles more than we honor Mary because maybe she doesn't say a lot of words. But what she said was truly powerful. Her words are as true today as they were when she spoke them. True, we don't need to worship her because she's not God. We don't need to pray to her because she's not God. She's not our Savior. Jesus is. And Jesus hasn't said anywhere that we should regard her as someone who can help us reach God's ear because she's God's mother. But we cannot treat her just as another woman. We should be grateful for her work. 
of carrying the baby Jesus until his birth. She cared for him, making sure he would be safe. She hurt when he hurt, a heartbreaking when she thought she was lost in Jerusalem as a 12-year-old boy. She was there at the foot of the cross when he underwent the greatest suffering and death for your sins and mine. We can see how Jesus even honored her at that time when he was dying, saying to John, Behold your mother. Mary's response to Elizabeth are the most words recorded of her in the Bible. She speaks about being blessed because of the one special baby, Jesus Christ. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary's words reveal that she had learned some things about what God is up to and how God operates generally. She was clearly aware of her low status in society. She will be regarded as property, a property first of her father and then property of her husband, who could easily write her a certificate of divorce and send her away. In addition, she was not a member of a famous family. She grew up in a tiny town, not a big city. In the scheme of things in those days, she was not important. There was nothing remarkable about her that would make God choose her to be the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world, our Lord and our God. Yet it was to such a woman that God visited with such a stunningly good news. It was a reversal of circumstances for her. She clearly knew the scriptures very well. She mentioned in particular Abraham, a man God called from a place far away, a man who worshipped idols along with his parents. And God blessed him to become a blessing to the whole world. And he said, Abraham's offspring will be the savior of the world. It took 2,000 years through many twists and turns. But now, at this point, this offspring was in Mary's womb. A reversal of the way the world thinks and operates. God brings into being things that are not to bless the whole world. God has said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mary spoke about how the high and mighty, the highly regarded of society, are not necessarily regarded that way by God. If the high and mighty just look to their situation in society and put all their confidence in their possessions and high status in society, then they have a problem with God. But those who do not trust in their wealth and know that before God, they are poor, miserable sinners who always need God, God lifts them up. To be sure, 
poor, miserable sinners are not just some people outside the church, but we ourselves, all of us here, are poor, miserable sinners. Mary said, from now on, all generations will call her blessed. I don't know of anyone who disagrees with that. Why would she be called blessed? Because of this one special baby. Mary herself gave thanks to God, her Savior. Jesus alone is Savior. But she is blessed in a unique way because of this one special baby that she carried in her womb. The blessing of this special baby was not only for Mary or Elizabeth or John. As she herself said, God's mercy extends to those who fear him, and this from generation to generation. Who are those who fear him? They are those who believe in him, those whose hope is in him. They are those who trust that he works all things for good for them, even if it is not the good as defined by them. You and I are generations and generations removed from this event in the first century. But true to Mary's words, inspired in her by the Holy Spirit and by this special baby, you and I are blessed. We too, poor miserable sinners, have received and continue to receive the blessings of God's forgiveness for our sins because of the one special baby, Jesus Christ. It means we too have favor with God. It means even when we face any kind of difficulty in this life, God has not walked away from us. God has allowed Luke, has not allowed Luke to just record this special event of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John and Mary and the baby Jesus for sentimental reasons, but for real benefits for those who believe in him. This special baby arrived under those strange circumstances for the purpose of winning the whole world back to God. All the people of this world, whether they agree with it or not, need Jesus. Because we all, in thought, word, and deed, were alienated from God. We do not always live in a way that is pleasing to a perfect God. But because of this special baby who was born, lived, died, and was raised again, all who believe in him have not been won back for God. Those people include you, my dear brothers and sisters, who are waiting for him to come again, to make what is now invisible and only in our hearts plain and concrete, seen with our own eyes. And when he comes, he will remain with you forever. You are blessed because of this one special baby, Jesus Christ. Amen. And one now we